pray that as we go through this series of uh, re-envisioning discipleship, we will be challenged by the Word of God to respond and to be able to impact our culture and not to be impacted by the culture. So I know that is a very touchy subject, and I'm asking you that you pray for me and for other people that will be behind the pulpit to talk about this topic. I want to just uh, share what the Lord wants me to share and not what I want to share. There's a big difference. I want to be in synchrony with the voice of the Spirit. And I pray that as a church, as a family of God, that we will be in synchrony with what God wants us to hear. That's my desire and my prayer. Not because the Word of God is not clear, but because many times we are distracted by the things of this world. And we become callous to the voice of the Spirit. So I pray this morning that we will hear the Holy Spirit speaking through his word. Amen? Amen. So let's read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It's Paul writing, and he says, But understand this, that in the last days there will be come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, Abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, hurtless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who could creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not go get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. May the Lord continue to bless his word to our hearts. You see, let me say something, that we live our individual lives with such a frenetic pace. We are rushing from one thing to another. And we forget to stop and meditate where we are running for. Don't you find that, especially in North America, we are so busy that even if our days would be of 48 hours, we're still in need of extra hours to accomplish whatever we are doing. And we fail to forget where we are standing, where we are heading. You know, somebody was saying years ago that we are marching to Zion, the beautiful city of God. We should always remember that we are people in march. And we are marching for our country, our heavenly country. We are in this world. Well, we don't belong to this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. This is what Paul says. And we must remember that though we are living on this earth, we must think that we need to meet our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. And as a church, in this moment, we should truly 
adjust our priorities so Christ Jesus would be glorified in our midst. We need to regain a shared vision of what it means for us to be the people of God in this time in 2019. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God placed us in this time, in this particular moment of history, because we are His church. My beloved brothers and sisters, we are the church of Jesus Christ. We are His people. We are those God called for this time. And I pray that we feel the privilege, but also the responsibility to show to the world that we belong. We are belonging to Jesus. We love Him. We love to do His will. We love to live a life that is pleasing Him. And let me say also that we must avoid the danger to be swollen in by the culture we are living in. Because the more the church is like the culture, the less relevant the church is to the culture. If we become like the, church, the culture we are living in, if we adopt the standards of this culture, we cannot change the culture. But we'll be changed by the culture. Much of our society seems to be losing their faith in God. The God of the Bible. You know... Even yesterday, talking with people, somebody told me, I'm a very spiritual person. And I say, what do you mean you are a spiritual person? There are so many that they feel themselves as spiritual, but they, they have their own idea of a spirituality that is far from the Bible. The God of the Bible. And I'm challenging all of us that as a people that belong to Jesus Christ, we live our lives based on the principle and the commandments that the Bible is giving to us. There is no other way that we can reflect the life of Christ if we apart from the Bible, from the teaching of the Bible. We cannot change the ancient path of the Word of God. Today, sadly, the majority of Christians in North America, I'm very open to you. Don't hide the fact that the majority of Christians today in North America are Bible illiterated. They don't know the Bible. We don't read the Bible anymore. We hear a lot of messages on internet, on TV, on radio stations, but we don't read the Bible as before. I remember growing up and the reading of the Bible was part of our daily life at home as a family. I remember in church memorizing the scriptures. And I say this for the glory of God, not to boast myself, but it was very common. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? We must recover the importance of the word of God. Because from the word of God comes faith. You cannot increase your faith if you are not basing your soul on the word of God. The prophet Jeremiah reminds us in chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient path where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. You see, God was talking about the prophet, about the importance of not removing the ancient path. 
But these people, they were so focused on, the, on their condition that they say, we know better than God. And they said, we, we will not walk in it. Don't you find that there is the society where we are living in? People are refusing to adopt the Bible as their guide. So as a church, as individuals, what do we do to reflect the church, the embodied life of Christ in us? Let me share a few points with you. First, believers need to understand their times. This is what Paul says in verse 1. But understand this, that in the last days there will, be, uh, there will come times of difficulty. We have so much. We have many resources. And even the most uh, poor person here can be considered a rich person in another part of the world. So we are blessed. But we cannot ignore the difficulties of the times that we are living in. And I believe that the major difficulty is the lack of godliness in our society. We are rejecting God in many ways. And whatever was given for granted in the past is not anymore. That's why Paul wants Timothy and all Christians to understand that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And this exhortation is not just from Paul. For instance, you may heard that this verse quoted many times in 1 Chronicle chapter 12, verse 32. That the sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel had to do. I want to give you just a little context on that. It was a, a group of men that joined David, future king in Hebron, where he was anointed king to follow him, to support him. And there were many soldiers that before were under Saul that decided to go with David. But you know, the author of Chronicles in describing this army said, men of great valor, men that were using well the weapons. They were men with expertise in battle. And the sons of Issachar, the tribe, one of the tribe of Israel, were only 200 men. And you know, David is giving a special honor to them, saying they didn't know how to battle, but they were men that understood the times and what to do in Israel. Even Jesus spoke about understanding the times, maybe in a negative exception, while he's addressing the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he's saying in chapter 16 of Matthew, chapter 3. And in the morning, Jesus is talking to them, you know, by observing the weather, in the morning it will be stormy today. For the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky. But listen now what Jesus say. But you cannot interpret the signs of the times. My brothers and sisters, I believe that we are anesthetized by the society today. We are like... People that don't understand anymore. It, we lose the sensibility to the things that happen around us. And I believe that we have to realize that we are experiencing a profound change. Even religious belief. Our culture isn't a Christian culture anymore. 
constitution of this country was based on the Bible. But if we look around our culture, it's no more based on the Bible. In fact, the Western culture is more and far and far and far and far away from the Bible. Even in Europe, a country like Netherlands or Belgium or France, even the same Italy, are removing values that were dear to Christianity to be politically correct. That's the time we are living in. I spoke uh, during the Begeve to a family that came from Egypt. They came from Egypt because they thought Canada was a Christian country. They were just arrived in Canada. And this brother in Christ, I'm assuming the way that was talking, he told me, you know, pastor, I thought Canada was a Christian country and I discovered that it's not. That's the reality we are facing today. Today we're living in what some people refer to a postmodern or post-Christian relativistic world. And many people don't consider any truth to be the absolute truth. Actually, if you say that you are a Christian born again and practice the Bible, not only you are considered relevant to the society, but also you are considered as an extremist, as a fanatic. Did somebody tell you that you are a fanatic? Many times. And the church can't afford to refuse to discern the times that we are living in. Because though our culture has changed, God has never, 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 it will never change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If the culture changes, God never changes. His standard never changes. And we have to hold on that. Like the sons of Issachar, we need to discern the times we are living in and discover what the Lord wants us to do to reach out to this community. To hear the Holy Spirit speaking to our community. We all need to hear the voice of the Spirit speaking to us. We cannot demand other people to listen for us. You cannot take the luxury to ask somebody else to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say for this generation. Because when we come together and we bring what the Lord is doing in our lives... We will become effective in doing the mission that Jesus Christ has given to us. Remember in the Revelation, the seven letters that Jesus is addressing to uh, the churches of Asia Minor. At the end, there is something very common to all the seven letters. Hearing what the Spirit has to say to the church. And how do we renew our are calling as disciples of Jesus and fulfill his great commission to make disciples for his kingdom and for his glory is a responsibility. It's a responsibility. I want to say also something very important. The truth and matters of our message should never change. Means can change, but the method will not and not must change. I want to give you an example. 
we cannot change the method to preach or teach the Word of God. But we can use a different means. Today we can use the internet. You can listen to messages. Because internet is not from the devil. You know, sometimes we think that everything is from the devil. It's the use that we do with the, the mean that will make from the devil or not. Right? And, and, and I pray that we can be aware of the difference. The method cannot change. The method is to preach the gospel. The method is to preach repentance. The method is to open your heart and confess that you are sinners. We cannot change that. We cannot just simply adhere to a faith without having the transformation of your heart. There must be a moment where you realize that you are a sinner in desperate need of Jesus Christ. And recognize that you offended the holy God. And you need repentance. And follow His ways. So discerning the times, it means that we have the responsibility to hold on on the ancient path of the Word of God and be relevant for this society. So we cannot be like the society if we want to change the society. Amen? Amen. And then the second point I want to share with you this morning. Ungodly behavior is the fruit of a godlessness faith. Timothy is receiving this word from Paul. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, hurtless, unpeaceable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Treacherous, reckless, swollen by conceit, lovers for pleasures rather than lovers of God. Almost 20, 19 maybe adjectives to describe the ungodly behavior of those people. I think there are at least three huge factors impacting this kind of behavior. And showing that today maybe we can have faith. But without putting God in it. First, we live in an individualistic, me-centered life. It's all about me. In our culture, it's all about me. Especially here in North America. Where there is the myth of the self-man-made. Where the individual reaches out goals and dreams and everything. And this is perversive also in the church. Where we think more in terms of individual than the body. We are the body. We are individual saved people. But we are placed in the body of Christ. Even Christians can be disoriented from that influence. When people are used to center their lives in everything. Three weeks ago, Pastor Alan, I believe, preached the message on... We are created in the image of God. And you know, if we are created in the image of God, then it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about Him. It's glory. Whatever we do should embody the glory of God in pursuit of the glory of God. When we gather together in a congregation, it's not about me first. 
It's about me serving my brothers and sisters in Christ. So that I'm not concerned about my own interest, but the interest of the body of Christ where God placed me. Even ahead of my personal welfare. I care for my brothers and sisters. It's not about me. It's about the body of Christ. It's about Christ himself. And therefore, individualism, when it's adopted into the mindset of the believer, it changes our nature, identity in Christ. Because undermines the very important emphasis on God-centeredness and the work of God in the church where we are placed. Do we understand that if you are here, it's not by chance? When I was receiving the call for this church. I don't want to be here in this church. I have to be honest. I struggled at the beginning. My plans were to go back in Italy. I was not willing to stay anymore in Canada. But you know what? The Lord spoke to my heart and my wife. Because at the end it's not what we want. It's not about ourselves. Because I discovered in my own life that when I'm looking and to pursue my own ways, at the end there is no happiness, there is no joy in whatever I do. But when I submit it to the will of God, even if at the moment it's hurting, I find peace and joy. I find happiness in whatever I do. And if today I'm here, it's because I'm convinced that the Lord wants me here. And if you are here, it's because God wants you to be here. If you are here, it's because God has a plan for your life. It's not by an accident that you knew him, that you heard the gospel, that you are part of this family of faith. God has a plan for each individual life here. And he put different nationalities, different cultures, different backgrounds in the one harmonic body that is this church, a Fairview Alliance church. And if we don't understand the privilege of being together because God's plan is such, we miss the point. We go back to our own interest and don't, and don't appreciate what God wants us to do. The next big trend after individualism is relativism. Relativism is the denial of absolute truth. And that is typical of our culture. We are relativistic at the core. We run away from the truth with a capital T. We do not believe there is an absolute truth. And relativism is so dominant in the religious world. And you know, today seems that every road, every way is good. All roads bring to Rome. What is important that you're a good person? No, my friend, it's not like that. There is only one way. Jesus is the way, right? There are no many others. And as much as we respect other beliefs, as much as we respect other people, we must stand for the truth. Because if we are not standing for the truth, we are not helping those who are in darkness. We are not helping those who are blinded by the things of this world. There is a different way. God has given us the message that we have. And this is a message of a blessing for those who believe. I see the church of the book of Acts. If you look at the first chapters, there was such a joy in the city for what God was doing. 
Even the city of Samaria, when Philip preached the gospel and the power of God came in the city, there was great joy in the city. Oh, I'm longing for to see the city of the Lard des Ormonds, the city of Montreal, this province in Quebec, being filled with the joy of God because God is saving and transforming lives. That's my dream. That's my prayer. And the third area which is impacting us as a society is consumerism. We are the greatest consumer culture that all human history had experienced. Do you know that countries like Canada and United States of America are consuming more of goods than the rest of the world? We forget what it means living a sober life. We want to have more and more and more. And more we have, less we are happy. And we want to have more. And the idea to satisfy the lack, the emptiness that there is in our hearts. That's why the Bible says, love of pleasures rather than lovers of God. We are bombarded continually and encouraged to buy. You know that every day, in an average, we are bombarded with 1,000 advertisements a day. 1,000. And you know, it's continuously, buy, 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 buy. And we forget that this can always affect our lives. And sometimes, you know what? We use the church in that sense. This church is not a good provider for me. I will change a career. I will change church. This church doesn't respond to my standard or what I understand is faith. So I will go to another church where my standards are met. And we forget that the Lord is putting in places like that. And please, I want to be clear. I'm not saying that if you are in a cult, you should stay in the cult. No, you have to use a discernment. But when you change in the church just because you have a problem to submit yourself to God and to the authority of the church, then there's a big problem. You have to examine your heart. Again, there is this pressure on us. And I pray that God will remind us that all this individualism, relativism, and consumerism can produce ungodly behavior. That we need to reject and rebuke from our lives if it won't impact our society. And then, my last point is this. Our faith is not reflected in what we say we believe. But in what we are in Christ and do for his glory. Paul in the last uh, verse says, having the appearance of godliness. But denying its power, avoid such people. For among them are those who could creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. There is a counterfeit Christianity. And unfortunately, many are being watered down the gospel of Jesus Christ to a mere form of appearance of Christianity without having the transformation of the heart. They are Christians in name, but not in their living. My friend, my beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, if we want to impact our society, we must walk our talk. We must live a life that will honor God. 
We have no other choice. We are living, especially again in North America. I don't want to hammer it here because we have in North America, but this is our culture. We live in a Christless Christianity, North America. This is what the theologian Michael Horton says and describes. Christless Christianity. He explains that while people take the name of Christian, the label has been emptied of its biblical content. We speak about Jesus, but a Jesus that is not more in the Bible. It's a new Jesus. And we have to be very careful. What have these fake religion or religious people denied? Paul says it is very clear to his mind that they deny the very power of the gospel. It's the same Paul that writing to the Romans, he say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God. When we remove the gospel in our services, in our idea of a Christianity, when we are faking to live a Christian life and we are not honoring God with our behavior, we may deceive our leaders, our parents, our co-workers, but we cannot mock God. We cannot deceive Him. For Paul, they have no true love for God or His Word, His people. Only love for themselves. They have the stereo of Christianity, but they forget the power. And those people, they love to pick and choose whatever fits their agenda. And forget to take the old counsel of the Word of God and apply in their lives. You know, they can be even doing work for God. They can be even involved in ministries. They can be even taking part of a pulpit preaching action. But Jesus said, I never knew them. In Matthew 7, chapter 21, 23, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. What Jesus says, the one who does. On the day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we not prophesy in your name? And cast out demons in your name. And do many mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them. I never knew you. Depart from me. You workers, workers lawlessness. Jesus didn't deny the fact that they did prophecies. Or miracles or great things. He simply says I never knew you. It's not dramatic that. Is it not a big tragedy that we can be involved in the things of God at the same time don't know Jesus? Being rejected by Him? I truly believe that this is something that should let us reflect where we stand. Because if our lifestyle is to reflect the life of Christ, if we are not, then we are no more Christians. We are denied the power of God. We are portraying a different gospel. A gospel that is powerless. Learning but never come to know the truth, says Paul. Paul warned Timothy of those 
who were always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding their faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. And while I'm reading this, I say, how is it possible for one to continue to progress in his learning, but never come to know the truth? How this is possible? Paul speaks here of a learning that is ineffective. And ignorance can make anyone an easy target of deception. That's why it's so important to know the Bible. God speaks to Hosea and says, for lack of knowledge, my people are perishing. And more than ever today, when we lack knowledge of the Bible and what God wants us to do, we can be easily trapped in deception. There are many serenes that are selling their song or singing their song to attract us. We must be careful. And it's not the amount of what you try to learn that will bring the truth. It's the source of the truth. That you are learning that will bring you the truth in itself. I know people that are spending hours and hours reading about many different things. But let me tell you. If you are picking up fruit from a cherry tree. He will not take apples from the tree. If you are not reading the Bible where the truth is contained. It is the truth. You cannot learn the truth. Where you are taking your information. And I'm saying this as a Christian also. We must be careful today in internet. And there are so many sources where you can get messages. Video tube sermons. Where you are trying to get your knowledge. What you are listening is very important. Because you risk to learn, to learn, to learn. And never know the truth. This is what Paul says. The reality is that without a basic knowledge and understanding of the Word of God, the only true faith that leads to repentance and to transformation, you will risk to lose yourself in the circle of learning, 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 and never know the truth. Let's say that I have a $20 bill. You see it? Is this true or fake? How do I know if it is a fake or not? I have to know the true bill. To understand a fake and counterfeit bill, right? It's the same. How do you know the truth? If we believe that Jesus is the truth, how can we know if the truth is lived or not? Knowing Jesus. And that was the aim of Paul. My great goal is to know Jesus more. What is your goal as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you... Thirst, hunger to know Jesus more this morning. That's my challenge. And I conclude with this. Let us be aware that the church is living time of great opportunity and potential. You know, some can think that his message is so negative. I portray a society that is negative in everything. No, my friend. I truly believe that the church has a great opportunity that never had before. Because in such darkness, we can be the light. 
And we are the light. Jesus says very clear, you are the light of the world. We are the light. Let's take advantage of this opportunity. It is important for us to think about what our responsibility is to shine Jesus Christ in this society. And then let's be Jesus church in a secularized culture. We need to make visible and known to others the life we have in Christ. As a disciples of Jesus Christ, that's a greater responsibility. People need to know that you are different. Not because you are strange, but because you follow Jesus Christ. Because you believe in the values of Christianity. Because you embrace the life of Christ. Because you took the cross and you are willing to follow Jesus no matter what. And let me be clear here. Discipleship isn't a program that we had to the things of the church. Discipleship is who we are and become and how we are living for Christ. So I encourage you to re-envision your idea of being a disciple. Not just because you need to be part of a program of the church. But because you are called to follow Jesus. To be like Him. We are going to think together about the importance of our commitment not just to preach and teach the Bible, but how we can live the Bible together. How can we help you to become a follower of Jesus Christ that is not just a follower, but a disciple of Jesus Christ? We must be a missionary people in our own land, in our own community. We need to realize that we are no longer chaplains to a society that is a Christian. No, we are a mission. And I love one of the things that attract me to the Christian Mission Alliance is this constant idea of being in mission, mission, mission. We are in a mission. And I love the ecclesiology that the Christian Mission Alliance has because it's allowing us and providing us a valuable venue to the culture at times we are experiencing today. My brothers and sisters, we need to look for God in our lives, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, Christ-centered, Spirit-inspired, and missional-oriented. So may the Lord give us the desire to pursue godliness. May the Lord give us the desire to know Him more so we can be a Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, and missional-focused church. That's my encouragement to all of us. We are not here to warm the pews. We are here to be the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Can we all stand in the presence of God?